0: and sometimes God uses people to to lead us other times uh, God lays things upon our heart and um, if God would lay upon your heart you'd like to be a part of our special music in any way uh, as the Lord would lead you know I'm not a uh, a firm believer you have to have special music but boy it sure it prepares a heart encourages a heart and it gives the people an opportunity to serve and uh, but uh, at the end of the day it's got to be a desire of their heart to serve if people are doing it out of obligation or for a form of entertainment, wrong philosophy, amen? And there's a, there's a wrong mentality there. And so let's take our Bibles together. Let's turn to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. We continue our, uh, really, our, our but final study together on going through our theme. We've been talking about uh, the um, Christian in whatsoever we do and how that we do it. And this is our theme for 2022. Uh, you know, uh, I was reminded this week about how that people remember things which they see you know uh, what I mean by that is is you know we have a banner out in our lobby and um, it's amazing how having a phrase hanging on a wall uh, whether it's in a church lobby or it's in your living room or wherever it may be uh, but you remember those things and uh, they they stick in your mind and I hope that the theme for this year will remain in your mind as a challenge to your heart and, and, and uh, in your Christian life uh, to do as the word of God says Colossians 3 verse 23 uh, just because it's our theme verse we've been reading this verse together so let's read it in, in unison I'll read it through once and then you all will join me on the second time through Colossians 3 verse 23 and whatsoever ye do do it heartily as the so, Lord and not unto men everyone together and whatsoever ye do do it heartily as to so, the Lord and not unto men we understand again in its entirety that that whatsoever is different for every individual. Your whatsoever is different than my whatsoever. But at the end of the day, whatsoever you do should be done as unto the Lord and not unto men. We don't do what we do for the glory of man. We should not do what we do simply out of obligation to man. We should do what we do for the glory and honor of God. And it's not just in the, the ministry of God. Uh, but in every day through our life, because the truth of the matter is, every day in the Christian life uh, should be uh, lived and seen as a ministry. Amen? And uh, we've talked about that word heartily. The word heartily means with every breath of life. And is the same parallel to the word used concerning the, the, uh, the breath of life which God breathed into mankind to, to uh, make him a living soul. And so we understand that that which we do in doing it heartily is doing it in such a way that we're doing it with every breath of life that we have. Every soul, every bit of our being, our entire soul, entire self is being put into it. And um, 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31, the Bible says, Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Paul, the same writer, writing these things again yet to the church at Corinth and speaking more specifically, whether it's eating, drinking, or or anything that you do, every form, every every part of your Christian life should be done to the glory of God. Uh, We looked at Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23 where the Bible says, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the what? Issues of life. And then we looked at Matthew 12 and verse 34 where the Bible says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the what? Mouth speaketh. And we talked about how that uh, out of the heart of the issues of life, out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh, that our heart can be abundantly filled with things. And what we fill our heart with is what in the end our mouth and or our life will speak out. And what we do should be done heartily. So the idea is, and the understanding, the principle, should I say, is that we are filling our heart with the proper things. And we looked at Matthew in uh, chapter 6, and uh, the pattern which God gives us for prayer and for giving and for uh, uh, all areas of serving and then uh, in the areas of fasting. And we, we looked at how that scripture tells us that we are to seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. I'm reviewing with you here and reminding you, but we understand in every area of life it is all based upon the condition of our heart and what our heart is abundantly filled with. You can fill your heart with bitterness. You can fill your heart with anger. You can fill your heart with depression and sadness. Or you can fill your heart with eternal things. Things that will last forever. The things of God. And this is what we are speaking of. And that which we do, whatsoever we do, we're doing it hardly as unto the Lord with all, every breath of our life. And we're doing it uh, with a heart that is filled with the things of God. A heart that is filled with a desire to glorify God. And so, uh, I want to bring you... This, this morning to 1st uh, Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2 is where we'll begin and we'll talk about this subject as we find in 1st Corinthians 4 in verse 2 the Word of God calls us and, and speaks of the Christian life as a stewardship life but it's not stewardship that we want to think on today although uh, we are stewards a steward is one who watches over something which does not belong to them uh, but the Bible continues in that principle in 1st Corinthians 4 and verse 2 uh, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found, what's the next word? Faithful. We'll try it again. What's the next word? Faithful. I'm just making sure you're with me here. The Bible tells us that we are to be found faithful before God. entitled the, the message simply that, found faithful. I wonder, Christian, when, when the day would come that you would stand before God, would you be found faithful? Would you be found Faithful. It is the principle that we understand in Scripture that God is not uh, basing the entirety uh, uh, of uh, our life upon one instance where we were not faithful and therefore everything else that follows is unfaithfulness. Uh, In in our sin nature there will always be times which we fall from our faithfulness. That's the truth of the matter. Uh, Sin sin nature causes us uh, uh, to by our very nature desire to do wrong. And, and, And to be unfaithful to God. Well, the Bible tells us that a good steward, a man who is, in whatsoever he's doing, doing all to the glory of God, is one who is found faithful. When you think of a faithful individual, it's, one, it's a person who is consistent. Uh, uh, whether rain, snow, or sunshine. Right? They're, they're continually doing steady eddy, doing the same thing, doing that which is expected of them, faithfully at it. You, can, you never have to wonder if it's going to get done. You never have to wonder if they're going to be there. You never have to wonder any question about that person because they are a faithful individual. Always doing it. Always doing what is expected of them. Always doing their job to the best of their ability. Uh, always doing what they're asked to do without any question. Uh, always doing what they're doing for the glory of God. Found faithful. Christian, I wonder, could God find you faithful today? Right here, right now. Uh, I'm not uh, talking about uh, in in the future. Sometimes teenagers get the mentality that, well, uh, I'm going to be faithful to God when I reach this point in my life. No, God's asking us as his people to be faithful now. Amen? Uh, God God is not saying, well, when you have children, then be more faithful because you have children and they're going to be watched." God doesn't say that. God says we are to be faithful now at this point in time in our life. The the Word of God speaks in Matthew 25, and this is where the core of our text I want to bring you to. to. Matthew 25, if you want to turn there with me. We find uh, God's uh, details which God gives concerning a faithful individual. You know, there are many characters in the Bible that were faithful individuals, but there are very few passages of Scripture, to be honest with you, where we get quite a description of a faithful individual, as we find in Matthew 25. Again, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. You you, you step into Hebrews uh, and and you study the the faith chapter, you would find faithful individuals who kept the faith and they stood for the faith and and they did that which was called by them of God to do with their lives. They were faithful in what they did in those characters. But dwelling upon the very matter of faithfulness, it is in God's teachings in Matthew 25 that we find this more specifically. I'll remind you before we look in Matthew 25, the greatest example of faithfulness. It's God himself. Amen? The Bible tells us in the book of 1 John that if we confess our sins, what is he? He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Aren't you thankful for a faithful God? Amen? When I confess my sins to God, and by the way, you don't confess your sins to the pastor, you confess your sins to God. You don't confess your sins to a priest or the pope, you confess your sins to God. There is no mediator between. We we can speak directly to God and praise the Lord for that. Amen? When I confess my sins to God, the Bible tells us I can have that assurance and that knowing that God will forgive me of my sins. In fact, that God has already forgiven me of my sins, even before I brought them to him. But I have to come to the acknowledgement in my life that I can realize that I am a sinner and need to confess. And that he is faithful in return. We know of God's faithfulness just the same as found in Hebrews 10 and verse 23 where the word of God says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering for he is faithful, that promised. We don't have to, as the Bible tells us, we are to we accept God by faith and we live the Christian life through faith. So we live by faith that being a faithful individual is following God's example of a faithful God to whom he is. And it is Paul himself uh, 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 who tells us in, in Hebrews of the faithfulness of God. In Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 9, the Bible says, Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him, and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. The faithfulness of God. You think of God's faithfulness in, 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 a, uh, in the life of a person like Joseph. God was faithful to Joseph, Amen. Even when all seemed impossible, did not seem to go right, yet God was faithful to him. You think of God's faithfulness to uh, Moses and, and how Moses and, and, and his um, concluding within himself, I'm unable, able, I can't do, I'm not capable. But yet God was faithful to him all the way, even though he made him leader. Yet so long as Moses kept his allegiance and his eyes upon the Lord, God would continue to lead Moses and therefore lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. You think of the faithfulness of Noah in the midst of, uh, of, uh, of a sin-filled world and the wickedness, yet he was still faithful to God. Uh, you consider the, the faithfulness of God even in the life of someone like, uh, like Jonah. And, and God was still faithful in being, giving Jonah a second chance. We see the descriptions and the parallels of faithfulness all through Scripture. And I bring you to Matthew 25 uh, to bring your attention to two parables which Jesus gives. Again, he's teaching to uh, the, the, the people at this time, his followers. And uh, notice these two parables that he brings. We'll look at the first together, beginning in verse number one. The Bible says Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept, and at midnight there was a cry, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out and meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you, but go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom uh, to buy the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he, said, uh, but he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. We see in this passage of Scripture, uh, to begin, first of all, of a faithful man, in the description of a faithful Christian, a faithful individual, is one who is waiting. They're waiting. Or should we say one who is watching. They're ready. For the coming of Christ. Of course it is in this parable. An earthly story with a heavenly meaning. That we see. Um, uh, the, the, this picture of these ten virgins. And you really have to understand. And I'll be honest with you. I had to read up on it to remind myself of it. But, but the, 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 you have to understand the, the Jewish history and the, and the traditions of that time, it was custom and, and common of the Jews during an occasion of a, of a wedding ceremony getting ready to take place that the bridegroom would come to the house of his bride later at night. But upon his coming, the, uh, the, the bridesmaids who were with the, the, the bride herself, they would come out with their lamps and they would actually guide him and walk the, the, the bridegroom or the groom uh, uh, to uh, that place and there would be a celebration that would take place and this was all part of those traditions of things. And so as Jesus is telling this parable, he's, he's telling it to the people with them knowing what he's talking about. We read it at first and we're like, all right, I'm a little bit confused as to what's happening. Well, we understand the history uh, of these things which God says concerning but the the faithfulness of those wise virgins. The faithfulness was the fact that they prepared. They were ready. I would say, uh, before I talk any further upon the the faithful individuals, could we consider the unwise? Those unwise virgins were ones that were not ready for that coming of the bridegroom. If you don't already realize, the parallel in this passage is found in the bridegroom of Christ. That it is someday that Christ will return for his own. Amen? That Christ will take all those who are believers to go up to be together with him. But it is we who as Christian believers should be prepared in waiting and watching for his coming. And yet it is those who are not wise that choose not to watch. That rather than watching, they're sleeping. I believe there's a significance when the Bible tells us in uh, uh, verse number uh, 5. that some slum- That they slumbered and slept. There's a difference between slumbering and sleeping. Slumbering is, is speaking more the term where there was not a heavy sleeping, yet sleeping is that they were gone all the way. And it would seem that there were those that were wise in the sense that, yes, we're resting, but we're ready. Yes, we're, 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 we are uh, getting the rest which we need and we're, we're living <laughs> life as we should in, the, in the, its proper way, but we're ready for the coming of Christ. May I say, if you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, the Bible tells us that uh, if you are not ready, that someday Christ will return for his own. And as the picture is given here, the door will be shut. That is to say, your opportunity for receiving Christ will be no more. Have you received Christ today? The Word of God tells us that we'll spend eternity in one of two places, either in heaven with God or in hell. The Bible speaks of a literal heaven and a literal hell, and it is that literal hell that as a result of sin, all of us are condemned to. In fact, we condemn ourselves to simply choose not to believe upon God. The Bible tells us that in order for us to know with complete assurance, without any doubt, that we're going to spend all eternity with God in heaven, is that we have prepared ourselves, we are ready. You see, the prepared and ready, the wise individual is the individual that understands how can I prepare? What is that oil that we see in that parable, that earthly story with the heavenly meaning? That oil represents that that, uh, salvation which God has given to all mankind, that preparation that was made for the coming of of the bridegroom so that when the oil was needed to light those lamps as they would guide the bridegroom through, they were ready, they had what they needed. They say we see two sides of that. There there is a salvation of Christ, but yet we see also that readiness in preparing with what God had given to them. You see, it is the very reason, uh, the parallel that we see in this passage from this parable to the next parable and the link which they contain. Link is this, that there are Christians. There are those who are not wise and don't receive Christ. They're not Christians. There are Christians who... Receive Christ and they don't prepare themselves. The Bible says in verse number 16. Uh, we, we see of a faithful man one who is waiting. But notice actually verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country. Who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents. And to another two and another one. To every man according to his uh, several ability. And straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with him. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. Verse 23, his Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping uh, where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid my talent in the earth. Lo, there, uh, there thou hast that is thine. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gathered where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away, even that which he hath. It is the first parable that we find uh, those who were waiting. But it is in the second parable that we find those who were working. There there are those who are waiting. They were ready for the coming of Christ. They prepared themselves. They had received Christ by faith. They had prepared with that oil. And they were ready for the coming of the bridegroom. But it is in the second parable that we find of individuals who were faithfully working. And may I say Christians, if there is any part that even I myself, speaking honestly with you, can find God speaking to me, it's in this second parable. Because I know that Christ is coming. But the question I have to be asking is, am I faithfully working? Am I faithfully working? You notice the parable as it's given and the talents which are given to these men. Not to be confused with uh, other, the other uh, story of the talents which are given, or the pounds rather as they are called. Uh, I believe there are two different stories for the description which is given of both of them. Uh, that's another discussion for another day. But it is in this parable that we find the talents and the amount which is given is different. You understand this talents we're talking about an amount of money, and that which these men chose to do with it. Did they amount it to something? We could say, did they profit it to something? Something that I've enjoyed since since being a kid is taking something and making something of it. Right? Or it, better better way of putting that is making some money off of it. Right? It was always fun for me as a kid. One of the worst things that I did as a as as a kid is my you know things would kind of pass down right for for toys and so my oldest sister would have it and then it would end up with my older brother and then I would get it well I wasn't a kind brother enough that I passed it down to my younger sister when we had a garage sale one summer I took all the stuff that I didn't want and I sold it so I profited off of all the stuff that my siblings had and you know I had I had to gain there right I, I took what was given to me and I made something more of it you understand that as Christians you have been given salvation and praise the Lord for that. Amen? But what are you doing with that salvation? To what extent has that salvation changed you that it is causing you to be an even more faithful individual to God? There are too many Christians, I, I, I must say, and it's, it, if there... If it was not, then our churches would be jam-packed full and, and, and souls would be being won to cross Christ uh, like nothing else. But there are too many Christians with a mentality that, I'm ready, I have the oil, I'm ready for the coming of the bridegroom. But they're not faithfully working. And with what God has given them, they're doing nothing with it. You understand that the amount which was given to them, where some were given larger amounts of talents, where, and, and this one man who did not was only given one, it was the, the excuse... Uh, That he almost gave with it, which included the fact of the one which he was given. I was only given one talent. I wasn't given as much. See, in so many ways we can see a a picture of the Christian in what we are given in the gift of salvation in the way that God gifts Christians to use their gifts for the glory of God. And you know, sometimes the gifts that God gives one individual is going to be of greater number than the gifts which which God gives to another individual. But at the end of the day, God gives to all men just the same. Sometimes Christians can conclude in their mind, well, the reason I'm not working is because I can't do anything. I have nothing I can do for God. Well, the, the, the problem, first of all, is you, you've, got, you've not filled your heart abundantly with the proper things. You're not keeping your eye upon Christ and God's perfect will for your life. And so that's changing your whole mentality the whole thing. The individual who's faithful, who's letting the abundance of their heart be filled with things of Christ and letting whatsoever they do do all to the glory of God is looking at what God has given to them, their salvation first and foremost. You realize that God's gift of salvation is the greatest tool of witnessing that you have in your tool belt. No one should ever and can ever that is a Christian say about themselves that I can't do anything for God. If you have a Christian testimony, you can do something for God. Amen? You have the greatest tool to be used to win others to Christ. Hey, that's the first thing. I don't know all your gifts. Maybe, maybe you have gifts of, of working with people. Maybe you have gifts of, uh, of, of playing an instrument. Or maybe it's uh, uh, you know, teaching before a, a crowd or a, whatever it may be. God has given you abilities to be able to use through the gift of salvation to bring glory to God. But the question is, are you being faithful to God with what he has given to you? Are you being faithful to God with what he has given to you? Too many Christians are sleeping. They're not slumbering, they're sleeping. Too many Christians are, as is found in the second parable in verse 25, they are slothful. My wife and I were just talking about sloths this past week. Isn't it kind of weird how sloths have become like a big trend all of a sudden? Like uh, suddenly there's all these plush sloths everywhere, you know, and they all have this happy smiling face. But when you look them up and you ever see a video of a sloth, they're ugly creatures. I mean, they're truly ugly creatures. And not only are they ugly in their very form and those claws and those long arms, but they, they don't even have, there's nothing appealing about the way that they walk. It's so slow and so annoying that you're like, just come on, take a step. You know? you're, just, you're, you're driving me crazy. Too many Christians are just sitting on their hands slothfully doing nothing. God has given us so much, but yet we're doing nothing with it. You say, well, I, I'm too old, or I'm too young, or I've never done this before. Is there really a point of retirement from God? Is God going to say when you stand before him, well, you were faithful up until you were 65 and then when you retired, you did nothing else? Because the truth of the matter is, some of us, that's the case. Is God going to say, well, you were faithful only up until you were 25 years old when you got married and you had your first child, but every time before you weren't faithful? You know, God is not going to directly say it to you just like that. I don't believe he is. It's either going to be, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But you realize the amount of rewards which are being lost? the amount of rewards which are being lost in your choice not to use what God has given to you for his glory. say, what do you mean by that? It is God who goes as far to call in this parable, this man with the one talent, though he didn't have as much as the others, though he didn't have as much to start with, and he didn't do anything with it. And God calls him a wicked servant. Why? Because it wasn't that he it, it wasn't the matter of that he was willfully doing wrong against God. It was the fact that he did nothing at all. You catch that? It wasn't that he willfully did wrong, it was that he did nothing at all. I think too many Christians are living the Christian life. It's not like we are blatantly, openly doing sin before God, but we're not doing anything at all. You say, Well, what am I supposed to do, Pastor? You ask God. You ask God. I don't know your gifts. Now, I try to discern as a pastor, you know, oh, you can play an instrument? Hey, you want to play an instrument? You can sing? You want to sing? You know, I I can discern as a pastor and say, hey, use your gifts for God in the church. But don't don't conclude that your gifts can only be used in the church. Amen? I know we have some in our church that uh, they they go to assistant living or nursing homes and they sing. That's a great thing. We have some in our church that started Bible clubs and, and things like that in their community. That's a great thing. Using your gifts and your skills that God has given to you for his glory. And don't conclude it to church. Are you being found faithful before God? I remind you again, God's not not going to determine. He truthfully is not going to uh, look at your life and say, Well, here's this part of your life you did and you weren't and you weren't. The Bible says when we stand before God, we are justified in his eyes. God looks past our sin, the sins which we committed. We are justified before him. But will God have found you so faithful? So faithful. Will God have found you to, take, to have taken all that he has given to you and use it for his glory? Sometimes we can excuse ourselves and we say, well, I, I was trying to be and someone or something interfered and caused me not to be able to do that. You know, there are so many things in life uh, that truthfully, they just aren't fair. There are so many things in life that truthfully... Uh, they they, they aren't right. But at the end of the day, it's your life before God. What you choose to do with your life is between you and God. It's not Pastor Miller's determination of it, it's not your parents, it's not your spouse, it's you and the Lord. The Bible tells us the faithful Christian is waiting. The faithful Christian is working. They're using what God has given to them and they're using it for His honor and glory. The Bible tells us that the faithful man, the faithful Christian, is witnessing. They're witnessing. You, you, you understand, uh, how can you read these, these parables and not think upon the coming of Christ? The Word of God tells us in Acts chapter 1. Why don't you turn there with me? Acts chapter 1, we see Christ's ascending up into heaven. And actually what we see before that is what many call the Great Commission, the The commission which God had given to the disciples. We see that also in the end of the Gospels. uh, In in the fact of where God tells us to go into all the world and preach the Gospel. But in Acts chapter 1 the Bible says. As God is speaking to his apostles. And those believers who are there. Those followers. He says in verse 8 of Acts 1. But ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Never stop to think about those places in which God is, is telling them to go. He's not speaking of, in their case, it was their specific cities which were around them. He's speaking broader the more he's saying each place. But what is our Jerusalem? Well, it's Norfolk. What, what is your Jerusalem? Maybe it's Battle Creek. Maybe we got some from Osmond. Maybe it's Pierce. Uh, maybe it's Hastings. Uh, I don't know where it's at for you. What is your Jerusalem? You say, well, I can't do anything with the one talent because I'm in such a rural. How can I be a faithful individual in a rural nobody lives their area? Ask the Lord. How can you be faithful to God where he has placed you? You don't have to live in town to be faithful to God. You don't have to live near the church to be faithful to God. You don't have to have a job which is flexible for you to have open time to be faithful to God. You just have to be faithful to God, right, where God has placed you. Because you see, a faithful individual that God is looking for is for the man or the woman that would simply give it their best for the glory of God. I'm doing what God has given to me and I'm doing it to the best of my ability. And I'm going to be faithfully consistent with what God has given to me. And if it's a 40-hour job week, or if it's a night shift job, or if it's uh, not a job at all and I'm, I'm at home with the kids, or uh, if it's a part-time job, or if it's not, uh, not even my job at all, it's, it's just life in general. Whatever God puts to my hands, I'm going to be faithful in it. I'm going to do the best at it. And the reason why I'm doing my best is to bring glory to God. You see, the slothful individual is the individual who looks at what God has given to them. Their job, their finance, their home, everything that they have. They say, well, I'm, I'm purposefully not doing as much with this because of you fill in the blank. Because of him, or because of her, or because of this, or because of that. The faithful individual is, I'm giving my best. Lord, whatever you place before me. And whenever I cannot do, I'm trusting you by faith to help me through it. Whenever I don't have the answer to, I'm trusting you by faith to give me the light which I need to take that step. The faith life, the Christian life. The faithful individual, the faithful individual... You ever think for a moment of that witnessing individual in the, uh, in the Samaria? You understand that those people to whom Jesus is talking to are Jews. There is much of a racial, really was a racial uh, splitting between the, the Samaritans and, and the, the, the Jews there wasn't even a desire to go through when, when Jesus himself went through Samaria that was specifically given in scripture to help clarify that, that this was Jesus, king of the Jews, going through Samaria a place in which the Jews did not go but God said you're Jerusalem you're your Judea, you're Samaria the uttermost part of the earth the places which nobody else is going, the places where nobody else is reaching the places uh, that God brings you to, and wherever that may be, you're being a witness for Him. You ever notice the immediate response of the apostles at this time? Notice verse 9. And when He had spoken these things, while they beheld He was taken up in a cloud, we received Him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as He went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? it was it, they were in such awe it was just they were just looking up into heaven it, they were not doing anything God just gave them a great commission go <laughs> wow have you ever thought about how great God is hey it's good to think upon the goodness of God and all that God is me tell you too many Christians are sitting and gazing up into heaven thinking about all the wonder of heaven and all that heaven is and we're not witnessing amen the very reason why God has left us upon this earth is to be a witness for Christ. Is that the gospel would be given, the gospel would be heard. And the, the, who is going to give it to them? Some have compassion making a difference. Is it going to be you? Are you part of that some that has compassion? Are you making a difference? The Bible tells us a faithful individual. A faithful individual is waiting. They're ready for the coming of Christ. A faithful individual is working. With whatever God puts to my hand, I'm going to be the best, I'm going to give it my best. I'm going to be the best Christian in what I do and doing it for the glory of God, whether it's something that's secular, whether it's something that's uh, to do with the church or anything at all, I'm doing it for the glory of God in Him alone. The faithful individual is one who's witnessing. The very reason why God has left me on this earth is to be faithful with the gospel. Christian, are you being faithful? Are you being faithful? Too many pastors are, are leaving the responsibility upon the people. And they're not even fulfilling the responsibility themselves. Uh, too many uh, uh, church members are leaving the responsibility upon the pastor. And they're not doing anything themselves. Too many pastors are concluding uh, 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 of, the, uh, of the people. That the only way that uh, one can wait or work or, or, or witness is through the church. And yet. All these are mentalities and and traditions and philosophies that have been developed in our minds that have no biblical truth in and of themselves. God's not saying that you have to uh, wait in this manner and work in this manner and witness in this manner only. The way that you witness may be different than the way that I witness. The way that you work and what you work in may be different than what I work in. The way that you're waiting and how that you're waiting and, and how that God has placed you in the place that you're waiting may be different than what I am doing. but at the end of the day, are you being faithful? Are you being faithful? Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. You've listened well this morning. I pray that you've listened with your heart. Are you faithful?